I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show, uh, Tuesday edition. Appreciate all of you. We've had a great holiday break back into the fray. And my goodness, if we aren't into a crazy fray, immediately the first ballot has already been cast the voting is underway and kevin mccarthy is not going to receive enough votes to be speaker uh so on the first ballot this means we will go to a second ballot for speaker for the first time in a hundred years and again I don't think, Buck, anybody has any idea how exactly this is going to play out because there doesn't seem to be a second ballot um, that is suddenly going to resolve everything. And, by the way, things could change at the last moment. They cast their votes. They're going through alphabetically. You can change your vote before it becomes final. For people out there who are procedural wizards and want to know the the nitty-gritty your initial vote, I think you get a chance right before the final vote to cast it. So in theory, something could occur that would lead to people flipping their vote. But Kevin McCarthy, as people are making it known who they are voting for, does not have 218 votes in order to be able uh, to take that next step and become Speaker of the House. What is this supposed to end up know. with is the question that I, I don't know. And, and we're both just so you know, we're in real time contacting and, and getting uh, getting information from members of Congress who are in this uh, floor fight and, and who are going through this right now. And I I'm still wondering what exactly is supposed to happen here, because the, the concessions that I've seen talked about are things that McCarthy would. Not a, there's just no way he's going to sign on to at least uh, their ability to have a there's there's a, a sort of Damocles provision, if you will, where if he does things they don't like, they're they're able to exercise it and it will stand in the way of the speaker's ability to do his job. They're just not going to go with that. So 
I, I'm kind of sitting here. I, I'm a little bit befuddled as to what's the plan if not McCarthy right now. And I guess maybe what they'd say, Clay, is, well, that's why we have multiple ballots and we'll see how this goes. But I, I need to know that there's a plan, right? I need to know that this is not just, hey, who's flying the plane? It's like someone's flying the plane and then we find out, no, nah, there's an empty seat there. It's just a bunch of people hoping that it glides peacefully to the earth. Here's the question, too, I would have, and I'm sure some of you out there are kind of laughing, think about this. What if they just don't pick a speaker? Like, how long could it go without someone officially being named speaker? In other words, we already know that they have uh, they have cut the legs out from underneath the Republican House because they've agreed to the spending omnibus that runs, I believe, Buck, through September 30th of next year. What does the House actually have to do? Right? Like, that's what I was getting at before. There's not really, you know, you could have conjure up the perfect Republican Speaker of the House for this 118th Congress. I I mean, you know, a, a combination of, you know, you put them all together Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, and. And Moses, I don't know, whatever. Come up with yeah. your perfect individual. What are they really going to do? What is this person going to do? I, I, yeah, that's my thing. But, Buck, is there, are there any consequences if you can't get to 218? Right? Like, what does the House, what constitutional responsibility does the House actually have where there is a deadline and you would say, boy, if we don't have a Speaker of the House by March... Like, what are they? I, I don't know. Like, the Senate obviously has to consent on a variety of different uh, jobs, judges, all those things. Like, what does the House, now that the omnibus is done, what does the House do? And I have to say, I, I hate looking at what the other team is doing with some degree of envy. But I think you have to, right? You have to really, you know, if you're, if you're getting beaten by some new offense or if, some, if someone's managing to just kick your butt somehow... You have to be honest with yourself about that. And I see this going on right now. And like I said, all that matters here is the eventual result, really. So we can't know until we see where this goes. Maybe Kevin McCarthy will end up just being speaker and there'll be some sort of a deal or some concession, whatever it may be. We don't know. But I do know that Nancy Pelosi did not have these kinds of problems. I do know that Nancy Pelosi had the Democrats just in lockstep behind her to get the progressive left commie agenda as pushed through as fast as possible. And, you know, you got to look at the things the other team does well and say, what are we trying to do either to emulate that or to counter it? And right now I feel like we have neither. We neither have the unity of Democrats in their authoritarian madness nor do we have a plan to counter it right now with what we're doing. So I, I come back to what exactly is is the point, and I don't get very satisfactory answers to this. But then again, Clay, maybe this in a week is one of those things that nobody even really remembers. It gets well, settled and it's all done. That's why I come back to every time they say, oh, if we shut the government down, then basically when you hit the red button so many times, and nothing happens, it's the boy who cried wolf scenario, right? When you're telling me, oh, this is politically unprecedented, there's no way we can handle and then it happens, and you're like, yeah, my life really didn't change at all. I think there are a lot of people out there saying, 
hey, does your life really change depending on what the speaker? And I'm just asking the question, if if there weren't 218 votes for anybody to be speaker, and let's say we're in March and they're still they're having their 746th you know vote. What what imperative does the House have to do? There's lots of things I would like them to do, right? The committees, hearings, all those things that I think are important in shining a light on a lot of different Democrat malfeasance. But what constitutional obligation does the House have to now they've already funded the government through September? I can't think of anything that they have to do, Buck. So how does our life change if they just keep voting marathon session over and over and over again? Is there a part of you that thinks that maybe this is that 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 a degree of of chaos mixed with congressional inertia is the goal here? Do you I, think I that that's, that's a part of this? At. Like, I mean, you can't pass anything in the Senate. I mean, again, we have to go back to very elemental aspects of our government they are a roadblock all of the democrat shenanigans but if that's but that's not necessarily it's not like we're gonna have have a hearing and joe biden's gonna be like oh you caught me you know what i have been taking millions of dollars my yeah. son it was a bit i was this the is, big guy i'm walking out i i this is why I, I do think the benghazi comparisons and i've been saying this for years Benghazi was the, the hearings I'm talking about, not the event and not, you know, people from the agency and everything else that were involved there. I'm not talking about Benghazi in that context. I know a lot about that. and We could talk about that another time. The aftermath of congressional hearings with people pounding the table and t- it achieved nothing. I, I hate to say it, it achieved nothing other than launching a few cable news careers and getting some members of Congress some sound bites. Um, so we have to understand that and not over, not over promise, not believe that something bigger will, will come out of that. Um, and look, I, I, I say this also as somebody who, hey, I got a little bit of heat, a little bit of heat when I just said, and we had Carrie Lake on the show many times. You were, uh, a particularly I love Carrie big Lake in terms booster of, her of hers as a candidate. But when they called the election for her opponent, Katie Hobbs, I just said, look, I don't know all the ins and outs of what's going on in Arizona in terms of the voting. I learned as much as I can, but I'm not there. I'm not running it. But I do know that there's no judge who's going to say Carrie Lake is actually the winner. And people got mad at me for this. They said, why do you say that? Well, it's because I understand the judicial system, and there was no chance that a judge was going to say that Carrie And guess what happened? It's done. They're not going to do this. It's not going to happen. The courts have now thrown this out. So we all on our side have to always be living in realityville. We have to be honest about what's going on and what's happening. And, and as frustrate, it's frustrating. It's frustrating, but we have to process that frustration in a way that looks at it as a strategic possibility or in a way that looks at it as a learning opportunity instead of telling ourselves things that are comfortable. You know, we didn't, basically it all comes back to midterm. We didn't get it done. And we unfortunately haven't gotten it done in, uh, in disabusing people of the notion that masking and booster number six or five or whatever is going to save them, which I think we, we had said we were going to get to this. I think we should get to this because for people who are living in, you know, I'm right now in Tallahassee, it's Clay's a Tennessee man. And those who are living in those parts of the country, you're, you're just like, well, COVID's over. It's all, we all realize what, when I say it's over too, the pandemic, the authoritarianism, all of that, 
It's over in a lot of places. It's not over everywhere. It's not over in Boston. It's not over in New York. It's not over in Los Angeles. They're not over in D.C. They're 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 holding on to some of this clay. I think we should dive into it because it, this is just a remarkable exercise in mass formation psychosis, mass hysteria, whatever you want to call it. A lot of lingering yeah, people out there with this stuff. Let's go to break right now here. I'll give you a tease as we're going to break. Headline, Wall Street Journal, are vaccines fueling new COVID variants? The virus appears to be evolving in ways that evade immunity and the data. We had Berenson on, one of the final guests. I think I had him on Thursday or Friday before Christmas, and he laid some of this stuff out. And people were like, oh, you're you're crazy, like many times has happened. And now the Wall Street Journal has put this out. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about Buck when we come back. The fact that there are hundreds of thousands of kids, predominantly on the East and West Coast, who are going to be coming back from school from their Christmas break, required to wear masks, which is absolute bonker land crazy. We'll talk about all that, give you the latest on this data, uh, and continue to track what may well be a dramatic, ongoing, slow-moving train wreck uh, as, opposed, as, uh, as it pertains to who's going to end up the uh, Speaker of the House. My friends, I want you to join me in making a big difference in the life of an unborn child and the family this child will be born into. I work with the Preborn Pregnancy Clinics, a nonprofit organization that has saved the lives of more than 100,000 children in this country. It's a daunting task, but this group of dedicated individuals are as determined as ever. They operate clinics across our nation, welcoming expectant mothers making a decision on whether to bring their child into this world or find an abortion clinic to end the life of that child. These clinics provide a free ultrasound to expectant moms so they can meet their child for the first time. Because hearing that heartbeat and seeing that child and helping that bond between mother and child develop so often results in the mom making the right decision. Each ultrasound is a gift from individuals like you that donate $28 for a single ultrasound. Or if you can, donate $140 for five ultrasounds. Remember, these are tax-deductible gifts, and right now, a silent benefactor will match your gift. To donate securely to the pre-born pregnancy clinics today, use your cell phone, dial pound 250, and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, say baby. Or go to preborn.com slash buck. That's preborn.com slash B-U-C-K, sponsored by Preborn. Keeping it real. Keeping it honest. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. 
I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? It look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. So we all just got back from holiday. I want to take a moment here on Clay and Buck to... Uh put out there for you some some recommendations and uh and and maybe maybe uh, pick a fight with clay about something here that's always fun first off uh i think i had said that the all quiet on the western front movie on netflix this was before the break pretty good um i i you know uh keegan's uh history of john keegan's history of the first world war is i think the best single volume world war one history you can find and reading that as a companion to or preparation for All Quiet on the Western Front, the remake of it was really good. Clay, I watched, though, with Carrie and my dad, another movie. It was kind, Some of it was in subtitled. Some of it was in English, uh, which I guess makes sense considering, considering the uh, people, the different you know, nations involved. Uh, but the forgotten battle on Netflix about this fight in Holland – after the Nazi, after D-Day, and it's this one, it's this period of World War II I'd never seen. It was actually pretty good. I have to say it was pretty good. So I can put that out there as a recommendation um, to folks. But I had talked a little smack, a little smack about the artistic merit. Now, not the technological merit, but the artistic merit of the Avatar, the first Avatar movie, which I will say the technology was amazing. But I did think that it was a a ripoff of either Fern Gully, Dances with Wolves, or people always say there's another one that it's uh it's like the stolen the plot. Oh, Pocahontas. Pocahontas, Fern Gully, Dances with Wolves, except they made it with, with blue aliens. Yes. You saw it. Yeah, and I, I thought this was gonna one. I thought this was gonna bomb. I thought Avatar two, the way of water, was gonna bomb. I am very upset to see that it has already made over a billion dollars worldwide. Because, I don't know, man. You thought it was okay? Tell us, tell us how. I'm, I'm shocked by this one. So I, I think one reason. So I think it's made over 1.4 billion. Uh, so I was out in Park City, Utah. Met a lot of our listeners. We have a monster audience in Utah. I love all you guys. And my oldest does not ski. My two youngest and my wife snowboards, and her dad was with us. And I, I don't like. I don't ski. I, I, I don't really like cold weather, frankly. 
I do like Park City. I do like Utah. It was beautiful. We got feet, feet and feet of snow, the likes of which I've never seen. But my 14-year-old wanted to go see the new Avatar. And there aren't very many movies that are out. You know, usually around Christmas, there are, you know, you look at the list of movies and there's like 10 different movies that you might be interested in. I think one reason, Buck, this new Avatar is dominating is there's the Black Panther 2 and Avatar. Basically, there's almost nothing else out in movie theaters right now. So I went and saw it and I knew that the uh, the, the storyline, I mean, Ali, our producer, was like, hey, I went to go see it with my dad. It's very anti-Marine. It's very anti-American. I, I get that angle. It reminded me a little bit of E.T. And and what I mean by that is, if you go back and watch E.T., the M- American military doesn't come off well because they are, you know, trying to get E.T. to do scientific tests on him or whatever else. And he just it's, wants to phone home, to be that's fair. Right. That's all E.T. E. wants to do. He's very likable. Um, but th- the government never really comes off well in alien movies, right? In my experience, and I like watching sci-fi movies and everything else, there's never been a time where you've been like, hey, you know what? The government's really... Tweet me if I'm wrong, where you watch a sci-fi movie involving aliens and the government comes off really well in the movie. The government is always the obstacle to the scientists. Independence Day. Independence Day, I think, is the one. Independence Day, they do. Yes. That's the one example. And I think that's why people like that movie so much, because, you know... Humanity comes together to beat the aliens instead of yes. the real the real enemy. The real enemy is humanity itself. And the president itself. gets in his fighter jet and goes out and like actually fights uh as a uh, uh you know. I, I think that may be Randy Quaid's finest appearance after the National Lampoon series. I don't even remember Randy Quaid being in that movie. I haven't seen Independence Day in a long time. He's the guy who in the words of our generation, he takes the fighter in a very sensitive... He takes the fighter plane to a very sensitive place on the ship, if you catch my drift. Ah, yes. i I got to go back and watch Independence Day. I should probably watch it with my boys. I did, Buck, watch a show that you're 100% going to be glad that I did. I spent Christmas watching Die Hard with my boys. And Die Hard, I believe, is the greatest action movie of all time. All right, we come back. That uh, latest on the Wall Street Journal and the COVID shot... But if you right now, I want to tell you, if you need to get hooked up to make sure that your identity is not getting stolen, to make sure that all of your business is not getting uh, taken advantage of by cyber criminals, you need LifeLock. LifeLock will detect and alert you to potential identity threats you may not spot on your own, like crimes committed by thieves pretending to be you. If you do become a victim of identity theft, they've got U.S.-based restoration specialists to hook you up. No one can prevent all identity theft, monitor all transactions. Easy to help yourself with LifeLock. Join now. Save up to 25% off your first year with promo code CLAY. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK, lifelock.com. Use promo code CLAY for 25% off. And Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. As the drama continues surrounding who is going to be the speaker, um, there are a... Uh, we, we should mention this story as well. Um, Buck, I was watching Monday Night Football last night. I presume that you were not, which I think is a good bet, generally speaking. Uh, the Bengals are playing against the Bills, and uh, a player 
24-year-old safety DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills collapsed after making a tackle. He is right now in uh, the critical care unit at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. I'm reading from Nicole Sapphire, uh, who says, The Bills have given an update on Hamlin's condition. DeMar Hamlin spent last night in the intensive care unit, remains there today in critical condition at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Now, news also just came down that there is not going to be a um, uh, a resumption of this game. They were about five minutes in. Some of you may have seen, I was on Fox News last night uh, live for some time. I talked about it again this morning. We've never seen anybody collapse like this uh, on the football field. Buck, it's turned into a major controversy. Let me say one positive, which I think is really what I love about sports. Uh, Buck, uh, DeMar, uh, uh, DeMar Hamlin had a charity where he was raising money for kids so they could get toys for uh, Christmas, underprivileged kids in the Pittsburgh area. His initial goal was to raise $2,500. Just think about how great of a story this is. The reaction, so many people out there, when a story like this happens, it's it's you know when someone in your community is ill or 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 sick or or dies or one of the first things a lot of people do is say, hey, I'm just going to take a meal to the house. It's a small thing, doesn't change the tragedy, but it's just showing that you care. It's extending a hand of kindness. This is incredible. Twenty five hundred dollar goal for these kids. Uh, presents for this charity from uh, DeMar Hamlin. Buck, they now have raised $4.25 million for his charity, for kids to get Christmas presents. 157,000 people have donated money. I am glad to be one of them. If you are interested in donating yourself, I shared this link. You can go find it on my Twitter page. Just scroll down a bit, uh, at Clay Travis. But, Buck, this rapidly spiraled into a mess. Um, we obviously at OutKick cover this. This is a story without precedent. Uh player goes into cardiac arrest on the field, basically had to be resuscitated, is in critical condition right now. What exactly caused this? We don't know. There is a condition that has happened before where if you happen to get hit basically right in your heart, uh, it's happened in the NHL, um, then you can have your heart stop beating, and it is very rare. Sometimes it happens with kids. They get hit by a baseball. Exceedingly rare. There will be certainly an investigation into what happened here, right. but it rapidly turned into a crazy mess, which is where it is right now. What you were mentioning there uh, is commotio cordis. That's right. That's what everyone on the medical side has been comfortable raising at least as a possibility here i understand uh, i think everyone understands that really the, the the first priority the only priority is hoping for a quick uh, recovery for demar hamlin while we still don't know where this goes uh he's in his vital signs are stable i think as we speak right now but he's still in, in critical condition so anytime somebody has a cardiac incident like this there's going to be there's still a lot of tests they have to run, a lot of things they have to look at to figure out if there's any additional damage and, and where things stand overall from a health standpoint. 
Uh, I think it is it is indicative of this moment um, in the way people feel, though, about uh, health authorities and the health system that it immediately breaks down into uh, acrimony, that there is already this, you know, there are people saying if you even raise uh, the possibility that this is related to vaccines, you should be booted off of Twitter forever and Facebook and you should be fired from your job and all of this. I I understand there are a lot of people who are very frustrated out there by the fact that um, there's this desire in the system to tell you what you can and can't speak about even after the system has been so demonstrably and horrifically wrong for two years, the the so-called medical consensus uh, that is out there. And this is just something that we've been warning about for a long time, which is that when you have the abject politicization of of COVID that occurred, and this was pushed by Democrats, and this is whether it's masks or vaccines or anything else, this became an identity issue for the left and for the Democrat Party in America. And when a, a majority, certainly, of outspoken medical uh, professionals and public health experts go along with that politicization, there are consequences to public trust and the public's willingness, at least among those who are independent thinkers, to just sit down, shut up, and believe whatever you're told. And I, I think this is a long, this is going to be a... Uh, there's a long tail to this. This is going to be something that continues to play out in a number of ways. And so that th- this incident for a lot of people uh, was one of these moments where you saw this dynamic immediately play out. But I, I understand for a lot of folks, it's just hold on a second. Let's just focus on DeMar Hamlin getting healthy, getting getting, uh, you know, a, a clean or get, getting basically the OK sign from his doctors before it immediately turns into politics. But, Clay, we know that's not – there's a mass shooting. It becomes political right away. Yeah. These incidents are going to be politicized right away. I think social media can be both good and bad in that context. And the positive, as I said, is, hey, how about the fact that 150-some-odd thousand people, strangers, decided to donate $4.2 million to do basically what I think most humans do in the face of tragedy. They think, hey – Let's try to make this better. There is simultaneously, Buck, and we see this, and I think you're right exactly about that. Social media accelerates so that incident happens, and the Internet, I've been arguing this for years, the Internet's basically a big blame factory. Bad thing happens. Doesn't matter what it is. Bad thing happens, and immediately everybody has to assess who is to blame for bad thing happening? Sometimes bad things just happen, right? Like this this on-the-field incident, that that's awful. But it's part of the game. Like we haven't seen this necessarily, but bad thing happens, and then immediately it's like, oh, the NFL didn't cancel the game quick enough. Or Skip Bayless, who works at Fox Sports, sent a tweet that wasn't uh, appropriate given the scenario that we're under and so everybody needs to be angry at someone well there's there's always the the um the internet mob oh yeah first and foremost refuses to give anyone any any grace or benefit of the doubt because that doesn't serve their emotional needs in the moment the emotional need in the moment that and not just on this issue on any issue that you see from the internet mob is always to find as as you put it uh the, the blame Yes. to disperse on on anyone at any point in time. So that's just the reality of 
of modern commentary and the sharing of information that we all live with is a shame. Uh, I do think it's important that we can look at people's desire to be kind, be helpful, you know, put up thoughts and prayers for DeMar Hamlin and, and his family to do something good in his name. And and again, he's hopefully going to make a, a full recovery as we right. talk right here. It's, it's, I think, likely that he will. I, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but based on what we're reading in the news reports, it seems like he's going to be uh, okay, which would be the outcome that everybody wants. But see, that's the thing. That is the outcome that everybody wants here, right? The, 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 the assumption that because somebody wants to have a discussion about, hold on, are we being told the whole truth about what happened here to DeMar Hamlin? People, there's a lot of it out there, a lot of commentary. That's not the same thing as somebody who does not wish him and his family well, and I think that's a jump that a lot of people immediately make. As in, if you're on the wrong side of this political discussion, you're essentially inhumane and don't care about because we see we see this with uh, Demar Hamlin and his family. We also see this, as I said, with mass shootings. When you talk, if, if you start talking about a mass shooting, what does one side of it always say right away? You don't care about, you know, the the people or even the children who well, were killed in this we incident. Saw it with COVID, it's unfair. Buck. We saw with COVID. Like if you said, "Hey, I want kids to be in school," you wanted grandmas to die. No, no. That's why I always used to start off my show by saying, "Hey, I'm anti-death." I wish we could all be immortal. Uh, I, I don't want anybody's family members to ever. I don't want to die. I'd like to live theoretically forever on Earth. I'd like to stay relatively young. There are lots of things I would like to do that I can't. But this also turned into how dare you share the video of of the which we need to talk about when we come I, back. I still I, yes, I still haven't. So yeah, I, I wasn't watching Monday Night Football, which is as you said a fair bet. Uh, I don't watch Monday Night Football. Yeah, and uh, I, I still haven't seen the video of this. And I I do think that we have to understand in an era of censorship based upon ideology, the the idea that we could start to remove things that are clearly news. Yes. And that are that are um, the actuality, the, the evidentiary basis for news from the public sphere because it's uncomfortable, because it's. You know, there's there's an on look. I get it. They'll blur some, if there's a horrible video that show, shows a shooting. They'll do some blurring, and but they don't pull it off the internet. And there seems to be, you know, there's a difference between uh, limiting, I think, the graphic nature of something and just saying no one is allowed to see what happened here on full public display with tens of millions of people watching in the first place. Which is I, I, why you know, when we come back, we'll talk about this because we had to make an editorial decision on this buck um, at OutKick, you know, a company that I run. And as soon as it happened, uh, to our credit, our OutKick uh, team put up a video of the incident, of the collapse. Here's the hit. Here's what happened. Because, yes, while there may have been tens of millions of people watching this game, there were hundreds of millions who were right. not and would care about what might happen. We'll come back into this uh, in, in a moment. And also, I want to note for everyone that I, th I think we said at the top of the show that there has been a, an arrest made a few days ago of the quadruple murder in Moscow, Idaho, that I know Clay spent a lot of time with you on that story before the Christmas break. And we had talked about it previously on this show. We had Nancy Grace on to talk about it. Um, we will have that forensics uh, expert back on in the third hour to talk about what we believe or what he believes led to this arrest and the strength of the evidence against that individual because a whole country was, uh, anyone paying attention to the news, was certainly seeing and, and, and learning about that uh, horrific, um, horrific quadruple murder that occurred in uh, Moscow, Idaho. So we'll come back in the third hour 
and we will certainly have an updated discussion on that one. Rising inflation, a volatile stock market, wreaking havoc on your retirement accounts. You see all the economic uncertainty. You know we are probably in a really rough year here in 2023. That's why Phoenix Capital suggests you diversify your investments. They're introducing investors to high-value oil and gas investments here in the U.S. with current yields, which range from 8% to 11% APY paid monthly. These are corporate bond offerings, and they're open to all investors with annual interest paid monthly. Phoenix Capital Group offers live webinars to learn about Phoenix's business structure, the ways they offer security for the offerings, the risks, and their financials. They host live Q&As where they'll answer all your questions. Sign up at investingwithphx.com or call 323-PHOENIX. Investment in bonds has a certain risk, and before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Sign up today at investingwithphx.com. That's investingwithphx.com or call 323-PHOENIX to connect. The torch of truth, past and still lit every day. The Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton Show. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my from this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back to Clay and Buck. We just got an update that 19 
members of the House of Representatives, Republicans obviously, have voted against Kevin McCarthy for Speaker of the House. It is immediately going to another ballot. So it is real. It is underway. This fight is going to play out. We will bring you updates as we have it. And I still sit here and, and wonder aloud, where is this? For those 19, where is this supposed to go? I I, I ask that in all honesty. I, I don't really know. I've tried to get answers about what the plan is here. It seems like Look, there's there's resistance and there's a tantrum. I'm not sure which one this really falls into at this stage, because if there is no plan, then creating these risks and possible rifts, I think, is, well, not the most wise option, perhaps. But we're kind of operating here, Clay, with a it's, it's a little opaque right now. It's a little like, wait, hold on a second. What are they trying to get out of this? There's supposed to be something. I'd like them to tell us. Uh, I'll give you this, Buck. So 19 people, vote. there were five different individuals who received votes for speaker. Chip Roy, uh, Andy Harris, um, and uh, these people who voted against. Um, But the only one that I'm seeing that I think is kind of interesting is, and I've seen this floated, Buck, the idea of someone coming in who would not be a congressman going forward. What if Lee Zeldin were the Speaker of the House? You you really like this drafting an outside I, person I just, idea, I, don't I just, you? I just wonder. I'm just tossing it out there. I think someone who is currently a congressman, it may be hard. And look, they, they say they're going to keep going and Kevin McCarthy's not stepping down. But I'm curious how exactly this goes. And Lee Zeldin is someone who is not going to be in the caucus going forward, nearly won the governorship of New York, well-liked, I think, by many. And it would have, I don't think you can bring in a total outsider, I guess is what I'm saying, but he would understand how the overall apparatus of the House would work, if that makes sense. You can't just go draft, like, we got a caller, I appreciate it, but, hey, Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump is kind of the fever dream, he's going to be the speaker, Trump does not want the job, trust me. But that is uh, that's kind of floating around out there uh, as an idea. We mentioned this also. I wanted to just bring this uh, to everyone's attention before New Jersey public schools, at least Patterson, New Jersey public schools are, as of today, back in school, requiring kids to mask. Play six. And teachers at Patterson Public Schools will have to mask up when they go back to class next week. The school superintendent says it's a precaution as the number of cases of COVID, RSV, and the flu continues to rise. No word on how long this mask mandate will last. Patterson Public Schools reopen January 3rd. Child abuse. It's what this is. It's child abuse. Understand this. Everybody. They're still doing it. They didn't pay enough of a price in the midterms. They're still doing it. This was my concern all along. Clay, we also mentioned this uh, this Wall Street Journal editorial piece. Yes. Maybe we can come back to this. That asked a very provocative question, which is, are these vaccination rounds now causing perhaps some challenges, trying to say this delicately, for the immunity of those who get it to the Wall Street Journal? So I think we can. I think we're allowed to talk about what's in the Wall Street Journal, right? Not going to get canceled for that. There um, are a lot of care. studies now that are suggesting the more COVID shots you get, 
the more likely you are to get COVID. That's basically the underlying question the Wall Street Journal wrote about. We will discuss when we come back. Third hour, also second ballot for speaker. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 